great. Some parts were extremely exciting. Other parts were, frankly, just devastating. How many of you last weekend, uh, during maybe a Sunday afternoon event, got really excited and actually made an audible expression of excitement that you were unwilling to make in this room? It's okay. I accept your confession. You're not confessing to me. You're confessing to God. But today is a big day. I said to somebody earlier this week, I'm like, big week, right, in your relationship? And the gal looked at me like, what do you know about our week that we don't know? Well, let me give you a hint. Right here in my hands, I have the five pages of cheese law for the state of Wisconsin. It's a great time of year. My favorite cheese of all time comes out this time of year. I have three wheels of it. I've eaten a half of one with some friends. The state of Wisconsin takes their cheese, well, very seriously. They've got five whole pages of laws about cheese. Now, in Minnesota, something that we take very seriously is bingo in the nursing home. Until 2015, Minnesota law limited nursing homes and senior centers to, I know, just two days of bingo per week. Even if you visited a nursing home resident, you were prohibited from playing bingo with them. Heaven forbid we let things get too wild. You know, what's not uh, punishable under Minnesota law is getting excited in church about the grace of Jesus Christ. In Montana, if you are a live performer in Billings, you are required by law to remain on stage throughout the duration of your performance. The law states that no entertainer or performer, whether male or female, shall be permitted to leave such platform or area while entertaining or performing. In Colorado, in certain sections of University Hill neighborhood in Boulder, a law was passed in 2001 to prohibit the use of indoor furniture outside. No couches on front lawns or porches. Sorry, John. And myself, I have a couch on my front porch, yes. According to the ordinance, the aim was to protect the public health, safety, and welfare of their city residents. County Road 13 might need to look at implementing some new laws. There are crazy laws all over the United States of America, and some of them happen to be right here. Today we're talking about the law. Exciting topic. We have seemingly turned a page in Hebrews, except we haven't really turned a page. We're starting a new chapter, but we know that the chapters didn't exist. The writer of Hebrews is continuing this theme that, that they've been trying to develop for some time. For since the law was but a shadow, has but a shadow, of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities... It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins." So I have a, a confession to make, need to ask for uh, forgiveness. Uh, last week I made a, two comments that were in error. This is the error correction segment of the, uh, of the sermon. 
The first was I made this reference to Plato and the myth of the cave and the connection with Hebrews, and the commentators this week are like, that's not what's happening. So strike that from the record. Second confession I have to make is, well, let's see, um, maybe you've done this before. I made a judgment about something before fully ingesting that something, engaging with it, and I made a crass statement that caused harm to my daughter. She said, Dad, I think you need to retract your statement that you made about Taylor Swift's new album. (laughs) So on Thursday, I listened to the full album three times. It's worth it. I mean, have you ever done that? You just make an assumption about something and you make declarative statements about something that you haven't actually engaged with or you've engaged with at such a fractional level but you somehow are an expert and so you make these sweeping declarative statements and then you're so far into the pit that you can't acknowledge that you've made a mistake? Uh, okay, I mean, let's be honest, we all do that. We make these assumptions about things, and then we make these declarative statements, and we enter and we wage war over things that we don't actually even know what we're talking about. <laughs> and music is... I mean, did you listen to Adele's new album? It came out on Friday. It's fascinating as we look at these two female powerhouses writing about their experiences and singing about them and making millions upon millions of dollars sharing about their experience. The writer of Hebrews says, the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. We have this interesting thing as we go through the book of Hebrews where the the writer is writing to Jewish Christians who are being lured back into potentially leaving Christianity for their former faith of Judaism. And so what the writer is doing is continuing this compare and contrast game of trying to acknowledge the law was good, it just was not what it was supposed to be. It was this shadow of the reality of the truth that was to come. And so they want to let us understand what exactly was wrong with the law. Well, it's this. Now, bear with me here. We're going to skip a part of the sentence, not because it's not of value, because we're going to go back to it, but to drive home the point. It can, the law, can never make perfect those who draw near. Why can it never make perfect those who draw near? Well, Because they offer their sacrifices every year. Now, if you think about the magnitude of that sentence, if you grew up as an Israelite and the sacrificial system was a key component of your life and how you related to God, I mean, it was, that was what it was all about. And now this writer of Hebrews is saying, you have to acknowledge that the law that you've been led to believe was so powerful and beneficial was actually insufficient. You're like, wait a second. How is it that this previous held belief that I had about the law 
is actually wrong. Upon further review, we hold beliefs because they've been passed down to us in a particular way, and at certain points we come to have more information about said belief that we need to make a change about our belief. The Israelites believed that the sacrificial system was everything, that it was the way that they were going to be made perfect before God. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, that's not actually true. The law was never going to make perfect the people who were under the law. Because if that was the case, they wouldn't have to continue to make sacrifices again and again and again and again and again and again and again. By definition, that makes it, in fact, imperfect. The law was not about perfection. We see this time and time again. And if we were to continue reading this passage, we would realize that the Israelites continue to miss the point of the sacrificial system. It wasn't about the sacrifices. The law and the sacrificial system was never meant to cleanse and make perfect the nation of Israel. It was always meant to draw them closer and closer into a relationship with God. I mean, numerous times throughout the Old Testament, we see clear signs where God, the writers say, on behalf of God, I don't want your sacrifice. It would be better, Malachi says, it would be better for you to stop meeting and having sacrifices than for you to continue doing this in such a ridiculous manner. Because it's not about the law, it's about the relationship. And as we've been going through the book of Judges, we've been talking about God is not a God of judgment. He is a God of grace. And every time God chooses not to wipe out the Israelites, he is showing them grace. But so often when we think of the law and we think of the Old Testament, we think about judgment and we think about death and we miss out on the truth of the character of God, that God is a God of grace and mercy. You say, well, isn't God a God of justice? Yes. Just not in the way that we think. You know, it's fascinating. Lee picks these songs every week. And the last song, right out of the gate, he gives justice to the weak. You ever think about that? You ever think about the reality of God's justice functioning completely differently than how we view justice functioning? We saw this last week. Jesus' death was not about condemnation. It was about freedom. Otherwise, verse 2, would they not have ceased to be offered, meaning these sacrifices, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of these sins every year. What is the role of the law? Well, we have to acknowledge 
and work through this difficulty that we have and the cultural place that we find ourselves. We oftentimes want to look at the Mosaic Law through the lens of our present-day experience of the law. And it's fascinating because we love the law when it works for us. <laughs> we hate the law when it works against us. A few weeks ago, I had to uh, go to the Crow Wing County Courthouse <laughs> to pay a fine that I was really not excited about. <laughs> and the exchange was not great. I left with a bloody tongue. Then I expressed my disdain to somebody who comes to Timberwood Church who's in law enforcement. Then I got on my phone to call a a law enforcement person to express my disdain in the reality of the law. (laughs) It's still the law. But my view of the law is so tainted by my current experience. Because the laws of our country are meant to protect the people of our country, while the law of Israel was given by God to his people for them to live in community in the promised land and to relate to him throughout their time in history until the Messiah was to come and to deal with the problem of sin. The Israelites wanted the law to do things that the law could not do. In the same way, we want to believe that if we pass the right laws, somehow we can create and affect change within the world. But we know the law cannot legislate morality and right behavior. Furthermore, we've come to believe that if something is legal, meaning it is acceptable by the law, then it is somehow good. And this is where our identity comes into play. Because if I identify as an American citizen who's a follower of Jesus Christ, then my primary authority is the law of the land. But if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ who happens to live and reside in the United States of America, then my identity is first and foremost and always in Christ. And I happen to reside under the laws and statutes of the state of Minnesota and the country of the U.S. I mean, because we, we can acknowledge there's a mountainous list of laws that have been passed in the U.S. that grieve God, and many of those laws were passed, frankly, in the name of God. And we could go down the list. Fugitive Slave Act of 1793, Indian Removal Act of 1830, Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, the Supreme Court case decision of Plessy v. Ferguson, 1896, Jim Crow laws, legal lynchings, interracial marriage laws, women's rights laws. We could just keep going. The law that we have in our country is different than the law that we have within Scripture. And yet, we do the same thing that the Israelites want to do in trying to make the law do things that the law was never intended to do. What is the intention behind the sacrificial system? It's fascinating here. Because the writer says, if the law was able to make the people perfect, they would have stopped offering sacrifices because their consciousness 
or their conscience would have been cleansed of sin. But as a result, their consciousness was never cleansed. So they kept going back and offering these sacrifices, trying to relieve the guilt of their sins. It's a little bit like drinking a Coke when you're extremely thirsty, thinking that the Coke is going to quench your thirst. Back in the day, we used to mow lawns. I used to work for my brother, and we would go, and some of the nice people that we mowed for would give us sodas. They'd give us soda pops, and we'd, we were so excited. It'd be 100 degrees outside, and, and one lady, uh, she would always give us Diet Mountain Dew. Mm, so close. So close. And you'd crack it open and you'd hear that, and you're like, oh yes, refreshment is coming. Glug, 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 glug. And then you knew it tasted delicious, but it didn't actually do anything for you other than make you feel better because of the neurotransmitters and the reception of sugar when you didn't drink the Diet Coke or the Diet Mountain Dew, but you thought you were drinking because all the science and food science and blah, 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 blah. And it was doing nothing for your actual refreshment. That is the law. Next time you drink a Coke, say, curse the law. <laughs> or acknowledge the perfection of the law because the writer says if the law was to do what it was meant to do, the people would not have a consciousness of the sin that they were committed. But because they have to go back over and over and over and over and over for their entire lives to offer these sacrifices, every time they go, they're reminded. They're reminded of the consequence of their sin. And the writer of Hebrews, this word that, he, that is used for reminder is the exact same word that Jesus uses when he implements the Lord's Supper. Remember. When you do this, do it to remember me. In the same way, when you would offer your sacrifice, you do this to remember that your sin has consequences and it has a cost. And it gets a little bit challenging here because, I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> we don't really like to talk about sin. <laughs> we probably like to talk about sin less than we like to talk about the reality of some of the laws in our country. So we're just like winning. <laughs> Two things we're not really interested in talking about. And that's the challenge with the passage, right? Like we just like to skip over this say something different, but it's right there in our face, so we have to deal with it. So when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have two options. We can remember the pain and suffering that he went through and stir up the reality of the guilt of our sin in our lives, which I think the enemy loves to do. The enemy loves to say, remember that sin that you did so far back? That's pretty much, that's who you are. Who you are today is not who you are. Your true self is that person back then. 
And the enemy wants to make us think that our sins have not been dealt with. When in reality, the writer of Hebrews is saying the exact opposite. The old way, the old system, was a system to remind the people of their sin over and over and over again. Now remember, we're comparing Jesus' sacrifice and the law. The the new system is Jesus Christ, where when we think about and remember our sin, what we get to remember is grace and mercy and forgiveness. Exactly. I know for a while there you're like, am I supposed to be like getting excited about this law talk? Because I'm not really into it. I'm not really into it anyways. And so... We are reminded of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that we no longer live under the old law. We live under the new law. Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law, to bring it into a new sphere where we don't want to go back. I was talking with some friends last night about, about are we going to go back on certain things? And I was just like, yeah, and everyone's going to get rid of their cell phones and go back to having a landline, said no one, ever. <laughs> we don't have to go back. When we remember our sin, because the reality is we continue to sin today, that doesn't mean that the guilt is continually waged over us. When we, our identity is found in Jesus Christ, he says, it is done, it is finished You have been made perfect as you draw near to me and are in relationship with me. Because the law was dead from the start. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And it's like, wait, okay, wait a second. Impossible? For the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So what in the world have we been doing? Says the Israelites. Like, did God set us up to fail? (laughs) If all of my offerings and sacrifices were not meant to take care of my sin, what was I doing? And it's fascinating, as we wrestle with texts, we, we yearn for such rock-solid certainty because ambiguity creates distress and the gray areas of life create mystery and mystery can be confusing and scary at times. But as we talked about last week, we are living within the boundaries of what God has has done and is doing. And so we can come to this text and we can say, wait a second, what was God doing when he created the sacrificial system? It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And we can very easily get caught up in that and, and wrestle, which it's fun to wrestle and go back and forth around. 
And we miss out on the truth and the reality of what the writer of Hebrews is trying to communicate. What he's trying to communicate is that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is far superior than any animal sacrifice ever offered. And God has been moving humanity to this place where sin is dealt with. That finally there's a sacrifice that's been made that will make us perfect and will deal with sin. And that sacrifice is Jesus Christ. And so we don't have to worry about the law. We don't have to worry about the parameters of the law. We can acknowledge that what God desires is relationship. Not routine. Not going through the motions and checking the boxes and doing the things that we think we're supposed to do in order to be made right with God because those things don't work. What works is an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that he offers to each one of us so that we can live in the freedom of that, knowing that when he said it is finished, it was finished, and we don't need any more sacrifices. We aren't concerned with the law because the law has been fulfilled. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, our identity, our consciences, and our lives are markedly different because of that sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and it's It's amazing as we get to open and unpack and wrestle with the revelation that is your word as you try to communicate to us, as you've tried to communicate to your people. You're not concerned with routines, you're concerned with a relationship. This system of law was meant to draw your people to you as a reminder And your son's death and resurrection was the ultimate act to remind us, yes, our sin has massive consequences, but you have dealt with them. You have dealt with them so that we can come and be in relationship with you. Holy Spirit, remind us of that. when we wrestle with the sins of our past, remind us that you say it's done, it's finished. You are new in me. May we live, a, live out a life that anchors on the truth of the forgiveness of our sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to please stand. Let's respond together.
Oh